You're listening to Keystone Cold Cases, a podcast where we reignite cold cases across Pennsylvania. Hey, it's Grace. Hey, it's Sarah. Hey, it's Chelsea. And today we're going to cover a missing case of Diane Wolf. And it is definitely an interesting one. There's a lot of twists and turns, which I've found myself finding a lot of those recently. Um, This one, this case is specifically in, in the Hanover area. And it has like, to me, I find it almost not, I guess not funny, but interesting that it has like a lot of ties to one particular like chain store called Hanover Foods. I think there's one kind of near me, but I think there's more out near you, Sarah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the closest one to us is like 30 minutes, but I know they're more popular on the West side. Where are the, yeah, I'm pretty close to Hanover also. Oh, I mean, closer than you guys are. It's probably a 45 maybe hour drive for me. Yeah, it's definitely um, further for for us. Yeah. Where would be the one closest to us, Chelsea? I'm trying to imagine. Let me look it up. Give me a second. <laughs> I didn't actually look it up, but I know there's one like 30 minutes away because um I used to be obsessed with couponing and um they would uh do like some stores um do like they double their coupons or triple their coupons so and forth and Hanover is really good about their uh Can I just say that this girl has gotten me four boxes of tampons for $5 before and I still yeah. think about it all the time. <laughs> yeah she um amazing she had mentioned to me one time about how expensive they are and i was like i got you and she was like no way they can't do it and i was actually really upset because i wanted them for free and i read the coupon wrong i thought they were for like the brand name i think it was kotex but i was like cbs store i was so pissed at the time um <laughs> But still, $5 is still pretty good. Yeah, um, I was very for impressed. For some reason, it's not popping up on mine. Hanover, Hanover Foods, um, I don't know that they're an actual chain. They might have a couple chains, but um, they're like a food distribution almost. Um, like they make a lot of, um, if you've ever seen like the, the wedgie pretzels, the W E G E brand, um, pretzels, they're in like a, it almost looks like a bread bag. Mm -hmm. Um, those are made by Hanover foods. Um, if you've ever seen the veggies that have like the little Amish boy with his hands in his pocket, yeah, that's like their logo. So they can and distribute like a lot of that stuff. So this isn't the same as like Snyder's of Hanover, right? That's like a different thing then like the pretzels. That's different. Okay. That's different. Yeah. Snyder's and Utz are a different company. Okay. Also based in Hanover. Oh, great. Listen, there's not much else to do. Just make really good food. Fair enough. You see, for some reason, I guess I assumed, maybe I'm getting it confused with another store. Like, I could have swore that they have, like, a store that you shop at instead of just, like, manufacturing. They might have, like, outlets. Oh, maybe that's Mm. what I'm thinking of. That could be. Hmm. Well, I'm sorry (laughs) if I got that messed up, but I'm pretty sure I know there is a store that they do have a storefront, but maybe it is just an outlet. And then again, this is, uh, this story is, like... 20 plus years old so maybe they're they were more prevalent right back then mm-hmm. could be 
So let's jump into it. Uh, Diane Wolf, she was going through the motions with her typical routine on a Friday. It seemed, reading about her, she had a pretty set routine to get her through her week. She was working her usual third shift at Hanover Foods in Hanover, PA. Her shift was over at 7 a.m. and all of her coworkers said she was in a very cheerful mood. There was nothing out of the ordinary. As she was leaving, she made like a point to say goodbye to everyone. And this was on January 31st, 1999. Diane swung by her house, which was in Conewago Township in Adams County. And basically, she just dropped off her lunchbox and a couple Avon products that she had bought from a fellow co-worker. Her husband, Merle, saw her come in as he was getting ready for his shift at Hanover Foods because they both worked um, at the same company. Though I will say, because I know that a lot of people like to contest me on my research, completely fair. There's multiple, I guess, sources. One says that he saw her as he was getting ready to leave like just before he left and other sources said that he was already gone, but he knew she was home because her lunchbox was on the counter. So take it as you will. Most of them said that he saw her and basically just as fast as she came in, she ran right back out the door. She, like I said, she had like a pretty set routine. Merle basically said that she would go get gas, run to make a deposit at the bank and then she would go tanning. But for me, I just, I didn't understand. Like, what was the point of her stopping home to drop off her lunchbox? Why didn't she run all her errands before coming home? Like, that to me, that's just like a pointless stop. So I don't know if I can weigh in on the lunchbox, but I feel like I use like a lot of like, well, I used to use a lot of makeup products, but like a lot of skincare. So like for Avon, it's the middle of winter and you just got like new products. I don't know if I would want to leave them in my car when it's like super oh, yeah. cold when I go to run errands. That's what I think of because hmm. I'm weird like that, but it's a possible explanation. I don't know why lunchbox would be like mentioned too, but I mean, maybe she just like left it along with her Avon products. So See, I don't wear makeup, so I definitely never would have thought of that at all. That's a you good don't point. Want the, you don't want it to freeze. <laughs> <laughs> um, My other thought was, did she change her clothes or like maybe have to grab something like maybe she needed something for the tanning salon that she left at home and didn't want to like, you know, buy new something at the salon those goggles that was my only other thought like the goggles or like some sort of skin protection or like maybe that's part of what she was supposed to get from her avon order but it didn't come in at the same time so she went home to grab it or i'm just making up yeah crazy theories here but and it could be something small like that that maybe her husband didn't even notice she took like it could have those little pairs of like tanning goggles could have been like Mm -hmm. right next to the front door and she just grabbed them on her way out it's it's a possibility for sure and my husband would never notice. Like, yeah, exactly. If ben I would have no if idea. If I took a sunscreen somewhere, you know, like he would never notice, oh, that sunscreen is missing from there. Like, sure. It's just not a thing that they pick up on. Yeah, especially because they're not doing it and don't know what you need for it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, I did think it was interesting because he said that she was so routine, but he never mentioned that she would usually come home, you know, before work. So maybe it was something like that, really. Um, so her first stop was at Alphurst Bank on Dart Drive in Hanover, where she deposited her paycheck of three hundred dollars. 
A surveillance camera picked up her image at 7.33 a.m. as she went through the drive-thru. Um, and then she kind of just vanished. Um, as I said before, Merle said that he she would go fill up her gas tank and then go into the tanning salon. Um, and then after that, she'd go back home to sleep because she had to work the third shift again on Friday nights. And her shifts were, I guess her third shift ran from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. On the 31st, though, she failed to show up to her tanning appointment, which I guess I'm confused because if you have like a membership, I thought it was more like a walk-in thing. I have never done that before, so I don't even know how they work. But um, she didn't show up to her appointment, didn't call about it. And at that time, this tanning salon didn't like call her family. I don't know if they like ask you if you have emergency contacts to do that. I don't know. I mean, so she probably made an appointment because they're going to want to make sure they have open beds. They have things on the right settings or spray tan. I don't know if they had that in 99, but whatever. (laughs) That's true. Um, So I think about like if I missed a hair appointment, you know, like my my stylist would call me and say, like, Sarah, where are you? And if I didn't answer, like she wouldn't start, you know, trying to find like my husband or my mom or you know like i can't see her like going and getting an emergency contact about like it's it wasn't a doctor's appointment it wasn't like anything like that so maybe it was just oh well i guess she's not coming yeah you know we'll bill her for the time i used to tan constantly when i was younger which is terrible for you i know but And I never had to make an appointment, but even though I was like a member of these tanning salons and they knew who I was, I don't think anyone would ever give a crap enough to track me down if I had like made an appointment and missed it. I don't think they would have called me or anything like that. Yeah. Um, And I don't even know if like the police ended up looking at her phone records to see if maybe the salon tried to call, like maybe... It was like not really a big deal at all, but it wasn't mentioned really of them, the police at least looking into the salon that far past the fact that she didn't show up. Um, And really when things started to become a problem was at nighttime. She was a no-show, no-call at work as well. Shirley Altoff, who was Diane's mother, also worked at Hanover Foods, and Diane was oh supposed God. to be relieving her position. I mean, they all work at Hanover. I told you, there's, like, a connection with everyone to the store, and there'll be more. And all I have to say is there's, like, no way I could work with family or significant other at a job, Mm-mm. like, at all. Nope. Um, But the only thing I could, like, justify is, I guess, like, they seem to work opposite shifts from like at least this snapshot of time like that's the only way probably but then you're working opposite shifts when are you spending time together i don't know that kind of had me confused but yeah shirley and merle were immediately concerned diane had been with the company i think just like over 20 years or just under 20 years it was in that ballpark she was like a really hard worker it was really out of the ordinary for her to do this so merle decided to go home he thought that maybe she overslept and he went home to go see when he got there he noticed her car was not in the driveway which made him feel like she wasn't there he proceeded to search the house which was completely empty merle just really wasn't sure what to do next and he ended up calling the conowago township police department to report her missing and the report was officially filed on february 1st 1999 a month later 
No, she went missing or she went out on January 31st. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Sorry. For some reason in my brain, she was going out December 31st, oh. not January 31st. Okay. Yeah. No, it We're was good. Yeah, the next day. Well, technically not the next day. It was only a couple hours, but since it was like through the night, you know. Yeah. Right. You're thinking so like, that Y2K took her into its <laughs> dark void. <laughs> That's why I thought it was December in my brain, because when I read the date earlier, uh, I thought it was Y2K. Mm, not yet. <laughs> um, Diane's family from the get-go felt something was wrong. Like I had mentioned, she had been an employee for Hanover Foods for almost two decades. Everyone said she was a super dedicated and responsible employee. And it was just not like her for a no-show, no-call. Police, on the other hand, were totally skeptical. Diane was a grown woman to them. It just seemed like she walked away. I am so sick of that phrase. Oh yeah. <laughs> like it's in all of these cases where there are adults that go missing. It's always, well, they're a grown adult. They can do what they want. Yeah. It's, it's like, okay, but I'm telling you something is wrong. So. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Ugh. Like, I don't think this is what she wants. I'm not trying to stop her. I'm trying to find her. Mm-hmm. It just drives me nuts. Sorry. Continue. The police did search the house and question the neighbors, and with the information they obtained, they listed Diane Wolf as voluntarily missing, Um, which basically means, like, she decided to walk away without telling anybody, and I get it. I guess there's people who are like that, but... When you hear what she was going through, you'll you definitely won't think that the family insisted that she would never walk away. They said whenever they went on vacation, Diane would always overpack it. She did not take anything with her, not to mention Holly Albrecht. Diane's daughter was pregnant at the time. There was already a plan in place to move Holly from Virginia into their house to raise the baby. She had taken, I think it was like, if she hadn't gone missing, it would have been the next week from the date that she went missing, that her and Merle were to drive down to Virginia to help physically move her daughter up here. So they weren't just opening up their place. They were like doing everything to get Holly back up to PA. And Hanover Foods even confirmed that the plan was for Diane to take four weeks off to help Holly when the baby arrived. And the baby would have been Diane's first grandchild, which is like a huge thing, especially for someone like her. She like really loved her children. She was very excited for this baby, obviously. Yeah, it doesn't sound like prime time for her to walk away from her life. Or it's or it's a very elaborate setup that she's been working on for years and years and years. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. long con. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, she had just also planned the baby shower. And the same week, she had put a crib on layaway for yeah, um, that's to give. That's sketchy. I think it's awesome that Hanover Foods was going to give her four weeks off. I know. But she had been there for a I while. I feel like she deserved it after working there for 20 years. <laughs> I mean, I assume it's probably just like time she accrued, but still like for a job to let someone like approve four straight weeks off. I just think that's awesome. Yeah. Good for you, Hanover Foods. Let's go work there. Yeah. I kept thinking like this must be like a really good company. (laughs) Like because I talk about it, it's going to be mentioned a lot more. I'm just like, 
Yes, it sounds like a good company. <laughs> Diane's 1994 Turquoise Pontiac Grand Prix. Uh, license plate was WR9396M, and it was found in the parking lot of Weiss Markets in Penn Township, York County, five days after the disappearance. And again, I'm going to put it out there. I always get called out on my research. There was there were so many dates and how many days after she went missing that this car actually showed up. The majority of them said that it was five days, but the Charlie on the Charlie project, it says a car was found on February 2nd, 1999, which obviously is only two days. So, right. Just putting it out there within five days, a car was found. So whichever one you want to go with, uh, Bonnie Leister, Diane's sister happened to work at the exact grocery store that the car was found. And she was the one who noticed it. Yeah. There was another employee after like the police were called that said that they noticed the car the previous day, which totally makes sense because there was a light layer of frost on the car and the car's doors were frozen shut. The car was covered in a dirty, dusty textured substance as if it had been driven on a gravel road or a quarry. Now I will say I work part-time for a paving and excavating company. And when I do their invoices, all of their papers are covered in this like filmy, dusty, like substance. And it's, it smells weird. It doesn't like stink, but it has like a distinct smell and feel. So like, I feel like they would easily be able to test it. But since she was listed as voluntarily missing, they didn't take the car for processing. They just kind of noted it since they were called, you know, since the sister called the police about it, they did look around her car and in the car and when it got there the car was locked and they had to like get into it it was noted that her cell phone was in the car but her purse was still missing they also found dry cleaning hanging from the interior hook there were still really no foul play indicators in or around the car and the officer let merle take the car home her family thought that there might be clues in the woods around the around this market and they conducted a search by themselves i guess they thought that maybe there would be like a body in the woods but the search came up empty-handed were there any quarries nearby or any there's quarries in hanover okay i don't know exactly how close i want to say that my person uses one let me check really fast there's a couple it looks like right near hanover four i mean it's in the perfect spot geographically Mm -hmm. so it makes sense Yep, it definitely is a possibility. So there have only been two unconfirmed sightings of Diane. The first one was in Gettysburg the same morning the car was discovered. And apparently it was like, I don't want to say a friend, but maybe more of an acquaintance who actually knew her, who claimed to have seen her. The second sighting was near Chambersburg, PA in March of 1999. And there has been zero activity on any of Diane's accounts since the end of January 1999. The family became angered with the police and the lack of cooperation. Diane's case ended up getting handed over to PA State Police at Gettysburg. The township police claimed they did a very thorough investigation. And they said after so much time going by that the potential foul play was, after all, a possibility. It seems like that if if the idea was that she was fleeing but was seen in Gettysburg February 2nd to 5th whatever from that yeah. range <laughs> but then a month later was in Chambersburg I feel like you'd go farther <laughs> than that in a month if you're trying if you're voluntarily missing yeah like I go from Harrisburg to Shippensburg fairly frequently to see my parents and that's farther than Gettysburg to Chambersburg. Yeah, so it doesn't make sense. I just call I, bullshit on the thorough investigation because they just let well, her husband yeah. take her car. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's 
insane. And it seems like there could have maybe been pretty good evidence on there, like just from what was on the outside to like tell you where the car had been. Like, just that drives me crazy. And then they're like, oh, well, actually, foul play could have been a possibility Uh, because it's it's been a while. You know, it's been a while. (laughs) What? I don't get it. And honestly, I do want to say that, like, different quarries have different materials. And I think it would kind of be pretty easy to distinguish which one. I was thinking that, too. I have accidentally driven through a freaking limestone quarry before. And (laughs) it looks like your car is covered in cocaine. So... Oh, no, that was actually just a cocaine plant that you drove through. (laughs) Maybe you're right. (laughs) Explains a lot. Yeah, so I definitely, I agree with you, Grace, that it just was not really done very thoroughly at all. The state police ended up conducting hundreds of interviews, and they moved her, I guess, classification to an endangered missing person. So at least that's like one step you know, forward. State police trooper Scott Dennis says that Diane was involved in a number of extramarital relationships with co-workers, which is like another huge no for me, like never mix work and pleasure. Like that's like a messy thing altogether. But it seems like everyone in this freaking town works <laughs> worked there. They all work together. <laughs> this is true. This is true. I'm not kidding when I say there's not much else there. I mean, yes. now there's more, but <laughs> oh, we'll get into that later uh, as like a theory. Um, about that it was documented that there was a threat but there was a couple who was working together at hanover foods um and apparently i'm guessing there was like a relationship or she was inappropriate or one of them was inappropriate with her or whatever and the other one threatened her like in the couple Mm. but they at that time had already moved so they weren't even in the area anymore so that was interesting Merle said that they really had no issues in their marriage, but I think the talk of extramarital relationships is questionable, but they were married for 14 years and maybe they were more in an open style relationship because I mean, I know people who are. Yeah, it's very possible. But like, did her husband mention that? Because I feel like there's a very big gap between everything was fine in our monogamous marriage to she had all these extramarital affairs like right well we'll talk about hearing about like labeling her as dead but he did have to like talk about like their relationship and he did acknowledge that there were oh okay that she had things on the side it didn't nothing i could find said that he also did as well mostly just her i'm not sure and um the police wrote him off pretty fast as being a suspect. Okay. I mean, he had a, he had a pretty airtight alibi anyway, because he was at work at Hanover Foods. Right. With his, with her mother. So. And the entire town. So. Yeah. Yes. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. One third of the town. Yeah. Yep. But like, who, who really knows? Like, you never know what's really behind closed doors. And sure. especially back then, it might not have been so open because it, I mean, still people look down on that kind of stuff today. So who knows? You never know. Mm-hmm. Uh, The police also found a hotel card on her nightstand. There was a handwritten phone number on it. The FBI tracked the number and it led to a man in Maryland. When they spoke to him, he claimed to have never seen Diane before. And he claimed the number was an old fax number before it was his phone number, which I like super questioned. I didn't know if that was like possible, but it is. I had to like Google it. Yeah. Yeah. Growing up, we had a fax machine because my dad was a small business owner but he just worked out of the house so it would use our same house phone number 
we just had to unplug the phone from the jack and plug the fax machine into the jack. So we had the same number for both. Ah, yeah, because I was I was just confused. So I definitely needed to look it up, but did find learn something new. He ended up getting questioned a second time, obviously, when the state police, you know, jumped in. And at this point, he was living in New York. This time, though, he claimed that he never talked to the police at all and denied ever seeing her. As time went on and, you know, the police are like relooking into this case and trying to reinvestigate it. They wanted to talk to him for a third time, but he ended up getting a lawyer and moved away from the area completely. So that it like weirds me out, but I guess it could be taken both ways. Like, he could be hiding something or he could feel like the police are like harassing him almost. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, I had nothing to do with this. Leave me alone. Or it could be weird. Like either way. And I would like totally be interested to see if they even pulled her records to see if she called the number. Right. Yeah. You're right. But that is not really mentioned at all. I would assume she would have had to maybe if they were going to question him three times. Right. Like, I don't know. There's got to be something we don't know. Yeah. Tied yes. to it. Or there's just so little evidence that that's one of the only things they have at all. Yeah. Right. It's like a catch 22, I suppose. Yeah. Like I mentioned before, Merle was ruled out super early. Merle and Diane had met at Hanover Foods. <laughs> Did they yep. get married there? <laughs> <laughs> it's a possibility. Um, Her bouquet was just a bag of chips. <laughs> um, Merle started at the company in 74 and Diane was hired in 1980. At that time, though, she was married with children. Her first husband suffered a fatal heart attack in 1982. In 1983, she started dating Merle. And as I stated before, they were together for 14 years before she disappeared. They got married in 85. And in interviews, he would talk lovingly about Diane, how they would go to tractor shows together, flea markets. And he would always mention how she loved scoring like a hidden treasure or like good deals while they were out and about. She sounds like my kind of lady. Same. I was pulled pull the desk out of someone's trash to refinish it recently. So I get it. I'm sure Ben loves that. He does. He loves <laughs> he loves all of it. <laughs> he would talk lovingly about it if I died. So <laughs> I assume. Uh, yeah. So she I mean, it seemed like he didn't have any like ill will really towards her. You know, May 31st, 2006, a hearing was held at the Adams County Courthouse to declare Diane legally dead. I believe for insurance policies that at least seven years have to pass before they can even be declared dead and to like get benefits. I th- it's something like that. Yeah. And Merle's lawyer told him that having her declared dead would ease like his life struggles that were currently happening after, you know, she went missing, especially handling the legal issues because both of their names were on everything. Oh. So and I did kind of look up like that seven years thing and uh, the Social Security handbook says that we presume a person dead if he or she has been missing from home and has not been heard from for seven years or more. This presumption applies regardless of the reason of the absence on the presumption applies. It only can be disputed if we prove the person is alive or provide an explanation that explains the individual's absence and continued life. So we have that. <laughs> And really, at the hearing, the state police testified that there was no current information on her whereabouts and nothing was active to even follow. 
Judge Robert Bigham listened to testimony from Merle, Diane's son, and two investigators. Merle had to, again, confirm that the relationship was steady. You know about that. You know, I mentioned he, he did say that he knew about some of the extramarital. I don't know if he knew about all of them. I mean, it didn't get into specifics. I'm kind of surprised. Like, what does it what does their the state of their marriage have to do with anything now? Domestic abuse. Declare. Oh, yeah, I guess. Because you wouldn't want to give like insurance benefits, I guess, to someone that was or abusing her. If if their relationship was in the toilet and they just made it seem like it was fine. But in reality, he killed her and buried her somewhere, yeah, probably at Hanover Farms. Um, <laughs> then yeah. he could, you know, later come back and say, oh, she's been missing. So I don't know how they tell that the person is being truthful but i can see why it's a a question to come up yeah the judge ended up declaring diane dead and the date that was like listed on the death certificate was january 30th 2006 i always wondered how they did that yeah i guess it's the day of the hearing yeah during the hearing Corey. Altoff, her son, said he heard her saying to his grandmother that she was upset because she did not have a will written. Police did confirm this with Shirley, who said that she was upset a couple days before the disappearance, but she talked it out with her daughter. She thought after that they talked, everything was fine and, you know, Diane calmed down, but she is unsure if it really had anything to do with her disappearance or if it was just a coincidence. Hmm. Like, it could be because she was about to have a granddaughter. And, you know, if anything were to happen, she'd have her. That's true. I mean, she wasn't exactly a spring chicken. Like, she was getting older. <laughs> right. I'm, like, freaking yeah. out about not having a will, and I'm 31, so. We should probably know. all write wills after we get off of here tonight. <laughs> probably. <laughs> um, at the 10-year anniversary, investigator Dinesh said that we're confident that she was a victim of foul play. In 2009, a billboard with Diane's picture, name, and the slogan, Do You Know What Happened to Me, went up in cross keys at Routes 30 and 94. The billboard was donated by Lamar Outdoor Advertising with a contribution from Adams County District Attorney's Office. There's also a cash reward for any information leading to a resolution. Even the littlest thing that people think might not be important might be what we need to move this case along, Denise said. Diane was entered into the missing person's database and DNA database. So if an unidentified body were to turn up matching characteristics of Diane, they would be able to tell and state police would get notified. And they also have copies of her dental records, which is like all good things. Yeah. Merle died in 2012, never getting answers on Diane's whereabouts. He was 58 at the time of his death. And to this day, Diane's son and daughter are still alive and they still are looking for answers. That's so sad that Merle died. Like he wasn't even like old and he never got answers. Yeah, pretty sad. I mean, these kids lost their dad to a heart attack. Their mom goes missing and then their stepdad dies young. Yeah. Yeah. Like these poor kids. I mean, I know they're not kids anymore, but still, that's a lot. Gosh, it is a lot. So we're going to jump into some theories. Some theories just like over the years, some of them I found on like websites like Web Sleuth. So we'll just jump into a couple. Really, the biggest one is that she ran away with a lover. Obviously, there was mention of extra marital relationships. Like it's a possibility. I mean, I guess it is, I guess. But to me, it's like you never use your personal information again. Just seems really suspicious to me. Right. 
And if it was rumored that she was having affairs at work, did anyone else at work go missing? Because it doesn't seem like it. Like she and just ran away with some there too. Yeah, right. The whole freaking town. <laughs> right. So sh- this was just some like unknown person. I don't I don't know. I don't really buy it. And it's not like it was like she I don't think it was like she met anyone online either. I don't think that was really like that big of a thing like that far back. I think that happened yeah, I don't a couple think. of years later. And like, I don't want to be like super rude, but like she doesn't seem like the tech kind of savvy person to be able to create a new life. It's not like she was rolling in the dough. Like her paycheck was 300 bucks. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think it's like, I don't think that is a good theory. I don't know. My personal opinion. No, I'm with you. I really don't think it it makes sense. Yeah. So this next one kind of aligns with what you mentioned earlier, Sarah. Someone on Reddit said that there are a lot of people in and out of the area, that there is an abundance of farms. And a lot of the time they use people that are illegals. I'm not. I'm just Mm. saying what was written. That's all I got to say. Yeah. But apparently in the summers, crime is like super high in that area. And most go unsolved because they're not documented or they're in and out. Um, And I know this are the specific crime we're talking about wasn't in the summer, but it's still a possibility. The person that posted said that they um, at the time had a lot of work. I guess they were like higher up and coming in to like have meetings and stuff like that but didn't live there and people pat could easily be passing through there so i mean it could be someone that didn't even know her yeah not even in the area that's true then on web sluice there was a user that said that they also work for hanover foods i'm not sure if it was at the same time but they did say and it definitely wasn't at the same branch but they said that there were a lot of rumors and talk, and I guess you'll have that at a company, but right. they said that the key to finding her has to do with her associations at work, which is like super ominous. I know. That's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, what a weird thing to say. Yeah. It's ominous, but it's also so vague. Like, yes, <laughs> it's like an anti fortune cookie sort of thing. Like it's vague and could apply to most people. Yeah. That's true. Like, thank you, genius. <laughs> well, then the entire town worked there. Yeah, it was probably association <laughs> with someone from work. Yeah, exactly. Like later down, like, I mean, it was a, it's a it was a huge thread and most of the stuff I had already had the information for. But the same user who said this said, you know, if you really want information, message me. And I think like they didn't really talk really after that. And a couple of people were like, hey, I messaged you. You didn't message you back. So like, who who knows? I don't know. Right. Yeah. And then there's another one that I guess I'll mention because one of you brought it up and it, um, Sarah, Sarah brought it up about how she kind of was like, why would she stay in the area if she was running away? There was another, I can't even remember cause I didn't write it down. I wasn't going to bring it up. Um, but I'm going to now. Uh, but it was on one of those sites, either WebSeuse, Reddit, or I think either one of those two, they said that they were working at a company they said it was, I don't know, they were compl- they were mostly complaining mostly about the company, but it, like it was advertised as this, really not this, but it was like you didn't need experience for it. It was like, and they were working with a woman named Diane. She was older and um, they said that she would like act really weird. They couldn't remember what the last name she used at the company, but I guess they ended up seeing pictures of Diane later on. I don't know why. I don't know if it's like on the billboards or anything, but they said that she looked exactly like that person. So, and where was this? It was in PA, but not in Hanover. Okay. Okay. That's weird. So, don't know. 
Yeah, I don't quite know what to make of that. That's interesting. Yeah. There was like it was like pretty vague, so I didn't know if I was gonna mention it, but Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And also, um, I know I had talked to you two about it before we started, but there was a site that was mentioned a lot on WebSleuths web sleuths and reddit called topics i've never heard of it i tried to search on it couldn't find a damn thing i can't find that website at least not for what they say but basically it's kind of like the website reddit and web sleuths where you can like bring up it has like subcategories you can bring up stuff and apparently diane's granddaughter was on there making comments and stuff like that which was apparently like causing a commotion like people I guess she knew more information than the public knew, but mm-hmm. it ended up all her comments were deleted. And I just don't think the site is there anymore because I literally couldn't find it. Um, so I don't even know what was said by this granddaughter, apparently. Diane Wolf was a white 45-year-old woman when she went missing. She has brown hair with red highlights, brown eyes, a scar on her abdomen, a purple rose tattoo on her left ankle. Her ears are triple pierced and she wears glasses. She was approximately 180 pounds and was five feet, six inches. Anyone with information should call Pennsylvania State Police Gettysburg at 717-334-8111. Or you can contact the Pennsylvania Crime Stoppers toll free at 1-800-4PA-TIPS. That's all we have for this episode of Keystone Cold Cases Podcast. Please remember never to reach out to family or friends of the victims, only to law enforcement if you have any tips. This episode was researched and hosted by Chelsea Brown. Find all of our sources, social media connections, and contact information at kccpod.com. Theme music and production assistance from Darren Megans. Join us again next week for another case to sleuth out.